Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf um, Memhe, Daf Forty-Five, Masechta Psachim. Um, so, at the beginning, we're really wrapping up our discussion of um, Tom Keiker and Het- and Heter Mitzdarif Leiser, the Machlokas of Tinur Akiva and um, the Chachamim. So we're going to kind of cap that off and then get into, let's say. Being mevatel dough. How exactly can you be mevatel dough, and uh, what that looks like? So that's today's daf, and let's get started over here. So we are on daf mem dalad omud beis, about six lines from the bottom. Omud revacha bedu revavia revashi. Says revacha bedu revavia to revashi. Very beautiful. Midu abon nishma revakiva. Mm-hmm. So from the rabbis, we should learn to Rabbi Akiva. Meaning, so the rabbis had said, well, how about this? Why don't you guys tell me? What did the rabbis say? So the rabbis said um, that by Nazir, we learn out Tom Ki'ikr. That if you take some grapes and you put them in some water, and then you take the grapes out of the water, and now the water uh, has a grape taste to it. So... Nonetheless, the Nazir will be unable to drink the water because of Tam Ki'ikr, that the fact that the flavor is there, the flavor of the grapes are in the water, so it's as if the grapes are in the water and the Nazir cannot eat it. And then, here's the important part for now, which is that the Chacham then apply that globally. That just like Tam Ki'ikr is by Nazir, so it's by everywhere. So now, this is as opposed to Rabbi Akiva, or really Rabbi Yochanan, who we said was saying like Rabbi Akiva, who said... Um, at the end of Daf Mem Gimel Mudbeis, that Becholi Surin Shabatora Ain Heter Mitzdarif Leiser, with the exception being Nazir, that by Nazir Heter is Mitzdarif Leiser, that if you have some, you know, less than a kazayas of wine, and then you take some bread and you soak it in that wine, and now with the bread and the wine, you have a kazayas, so then Heter is Mitzdarif Leiser. So now here's the kasha right now. The kasha is, how come the Rabbanan say, we learn out Tam Ki'ikr from Nazir, and therefore we apply it globally, this concept of Tam Ki'ikr, and yet Rabbi Kiva learns out Heter Mitzdarif Leser from Nazir, and he does not apply it globally. We have Rabbi Yochanan, who holds like Rabbi Akiva, who's saying that the only place in the Torah where we say Heter Mitzdarif Leser, I hope I didn't say Tam Ki'ikr according to Rabbi Kiva, according to Rabbi Kiva, we learn out Heter Mitzdarif Leser from Nazir, and that's the only place. Where we say Heter has been for this, we do not apply it globally. So the question is, how come the Chachamim apply Tam Ki'ikr globally from Nazir, and Rabbi Akiva is unwilling to apply Heter Mitzayif Leiser globally from Nazir? So, so from the rabbis, we should learn to Rabbi Akiva, meaning Milo Ami because after all, didn't the rabbis say Mishras Litin Tam Ki'ikr? That from Mishras, the word Mishras by a um, nazir, which means to soak. We learn out tam ki'ikr, mikana And from tam ki'ikr, we can apply, and from nazir, we can then apply the concept of tam ki'ikr globally all across the Torah. So let's say the same thing according to Abikiva, Mishras. So he learns out from Mishras that if you soak bread in water, no, in wine, that um, the bread will join together with the wine and to create the kazais if there isn't a kazais of wine on its own. 
And we kind of done the Chol Yisur and Torah. And then let us apply Eter Mitzayif Leisur globally throughout the Torah. Omale. So Ravashi says to Ravacha Beder Ravavia. First of all, I think it's a beautiful kasha. Ravashi doesn't say that. I say that. Mishum da'ava nozir v'chata shnei ksuvin abo en kecha v'emilamdin. Ha ha. So the Mesorah Sashas is telling me that and Avchaf Aleph Mur Aleph we saw this concept of Shnei Ksuvin Aboin Ke'echot that when you have you know if, if you would learn out a new concept in one place so then you could apply it globally say so just like it's Talacha in this place it's also Talacha in every place however if you have a particular Talacha that's taught in two places then it's like wait What's unique about these two places? Why is it only taught in these two places? And it stops there. We say, okay, well, I don't know. For some reason, the Torah is saying, in these specific two places, this is the halacha, but then nowhere else. If we wanted to apply it globally, it would just tell us in one place and we would apply it from there. And that would obviously include the second place. How come it's teaching us in two specific places? It must be that it's only these two places and nowhere else. So that's what we're saying over here. So it says Rabbi Akiva that um, we learn out Hetermitzayif Lisser in two places by Nazir, as we saw, and as we're going to see by Korban Chatas. And because we learn out Hetermitzayif Lisser by these two places, it's only limited to these two places. You cannot apply it globally. Nazir Hadamaron, Nazir, that which we said, that when it says Mishras, it's uh, to say that the bread could be Mitzayif to the wine. Chatas, Maihi, what's the Situation of the korban chatas that heter is mitzayif. This is the tanya, as we learn in a brayso. That the pasuk says anything that touches the meat of a korban chatas becomes kodesh. What does that mean? Is it possible even if that which doesn't touch it? Uh, no. What is it possible even if that which touches the meat of the korban chatas didn't absorb from the korban chatas? It would still be kodesh. Bebasar. That the Pasuk says, in its meat, i.e., whatever touches the Korban Khatas would have to absorb some, I guess, of the liquids of the Korban Khatas, of the meat of the Korban Khatas. Yikdash, and when it says Yikdash, Lios Kamoa is going to be like it, period, that if the Korban Khatas is possible, so then this meat will become possible, and if it's kosher, so then the meat will take on the stringencies of the Korban Pesach. What does this mean? It means, no, not, not the Korban Pesach, the Korban Chatas. So what this means is that if you have a Korban Chatas, okay, and you have the meat of a Korban Chatas, now Korban Chatas is Kodshe Kodshim. Korban Chatas needs, right, there's Kodshe Kodshim, Kodshim Kalim, Kodshe Kodshim need to be eaten within the um, Azara, or within the Beis HaMikdash, and Korban Chatas is only edible by Kohanim, and Liom Valayla, one day and one night. Now let's say you have some Hulin meat, some regular old meat, and it touches uh, the korban chatos meat, right? Or as Rashi says, it could, right, it could be chulin, or it could be shlomim, let's say. So you have a korban shlomim. Korban shlomim is kachim kalim. It could be eaten anywhere in Yerushalayim. And shlomim could be eaten for two days. So if you have shlomim meat, let's say, and it touches korban chatos meat, so then we say it takes on the stringencies of the korban chatos meat. Now, that means, as the Gemara says, that if the Korban Chatas was possible, let's say it was Pigle or something, so if the Shlomim meat touches the Chatas meat, 
and the hottest meat is piggle, so then the shlam meat is going to be piggle and you won't be able to eat it. Or if the korban hatas meat was kosher, so then the shlam meat is just going to take on the stringencies of the kodshim meat. I.e., whereas a korban shlam could be eaten for two days, a korban hat, right, and anywhere in Jerusalem, and by anybody, well, this korban hatas needs to be eaten by kohanim inside of the Beis HaMikdash for only one day. So the shlam meat is going to take on all of those stringencies, okay? And the point being that as Rashi says, right, Yeshba, right, in the Rashi Dibamaskal Kachamur Shabash, Haresh Yeshba Bez Minin. Now, in this Shlama meat, you, have, you now have two types of meat, Echod Chamur, Vechod Kal, one is more stringent, one is more lenient, i.e., the Korban Chatas is more stringent, the Korban Shlama is more lenient. Vichul Oleches Achor And yet, we're going entirely after the more stringent one, the Chatas. Alma Heter Mitzayf Leser. So we see that the Heter is being Mitzayf Leser, right? Meaning, you have this Korban Shlom that now has a little bit of Korban Chatas absorbed in it, right? And yet we're treating it entirely like the Korban Chatas, i.e. the entire Shlomim, we're now going to join on to whatever little bit of Korban Chatas got absorbed in it, and we're going to treat it entirely like, we're going to treat it entirely like a Korban Chatas. So we see that Heter is Mitzayf Leser by Korban Chatas as well. Let's read it inside again. Third line from the top of the page on Daf Mem Heim Aleph. The Tanya, as we learn in the Brayse of Kolasher Yigab, if sorry Yigdash, anything that touches the meat of a Korban Chatas will become Kodesh. Is it possible that even if, so let's say we're talking about a shlamim, right? A korban shlamim touches the meat of a korban shlamim, touches the meat of a korban chatas. Is it possible that even if the meat of the shlamim didn't absorb anything from the chatas, tamlom bivsara, achibala bibasar, it says in its flesh, so it would have to be absorbed in the flesh of the shlamim, yikdash, it will become kodesh lios kamot, to be like the korban chatas. Shim psula yitipasa. So if the korban chatas is psula, let's say it's pigle, so then also the Korban Shlam is going to be possible. And if the Korban Chatas is Kshera, so then you have to eat the Korban Shlamim like the stringencies of the Korban Chatas, right? Only Kohanim in the Azare, um, only one day. And we see Heter's Mitzvah Flaser. So therefore, Rabbi Kiva says that we learn out Heter mitzdarif leiser in two places by Kor, by by a nazir and by korban chatas. Therefore, it's shnek suvin abayin keechod ve'emalam. Then you can't apply it globally. Rabban and Amin Abba nazir v'chatas shnek suvin abayin keechod ve'emalam. Then, oh, so according to the rabbis, so it's kind of a weird question. But according to the rabbis, why don't we say that tam keikar is shnek suvin abayin keechod? I don't understand. We don't see anywhere that the chachamim. Apply, yeah, I, I don't know why we're assuming that the Chacham would learn out Tom Kaker from Korban Chatas. I don't know. I looked it up in the art school. You didn't really give much of an answer. I, I, I don't know. I think the Gemara's question just doesn't make all that much sense. Um, so, but the question is, the Chachamim say, well, we learn out Tom Kaker from Nazir, and therefore we apply it globally. But Chachamim, don't we also say Tom Kaker by Korban Chatas, and therefore Shinna Pishnek Suvina by Nkechad, Amri Hanu Mitzvah Tzrichay, the Chacham say, no, we need both of those cases, and we're going to explain this. We're going to explain this in a minute. And, and as Rashi has pointed out in other places, sometimes the Gemara can ask a question that isn't necessarily a particularly great question, but we're also going to throw it out. And this question is going to be thrown out. Um, and that is because um, the Chachamim say that you actually need both of those cases. You need whatever is written by Nazir, and you need whatever is written by Korban Chatas, and therefore... There's nothing extra, right? is when I really don't need for it to be written in two places, because just tell me it in one place and I'll apply it to all places, including the second one. But if we need it to be written in both places, well then 
you know, I can explain why I need it to be written in each cases, in each of the two cases, but we still could apply it globally. Now, Rabbi Kiva, my Now, Rabbi Kiva says, now Rabbi Kiva who says that we learn out Heter Mitzdarif Le'iser, both in the context of Nazir and in the context of Korban Chatas. So Rabbi Kiva says, what do you mean we need both of them? We don't need both of them. We really could have only have had um, Heter Mitzdarif Le'iser written by one of them. Let's see. So I understand, sure. I understand that if Hetem and Starif was only written by Korban Chatas, we would not be able to say that by Nazir Hetem and Starif because we don't learn out Chulin from Kachim. It's a rule. We don't learn out Chulin from Kachim. We don't learn out Chulin from Kachim. Korban Chatz, of course, being Kachim, Nazir just being a regular old guy who decided he's going to be a Nazir. So, therefore, I understand why if Hetem Mitzvah Flisser was only written by Korban Chatz, it wouldn't be enough. I would still need it to be written by Nazir in order to know that Hetem Mitzvah Flisser by Nazir. However, Elalichto Rachmona ben Nazir, but why doesn't the Torah just write Hetem Mitzvah Flisser in the context of Nazir? And then we can learn out that by Korban Chatas, Heter is also Mitzdarif Leser. Because if we would only learn out Heter Mitzdarif Leser by Nazir, we would then be able to apply it globally, including Korban Chatas. So therefore, says Rabbi Akiva, Heter Mitzdarif Leser really only needed to be written by Korban, by, by, by Nazir. And then it could have been a, a, applied globally, including Korban Chatas. So why did the Torah also write Hetem Mitzayif Lisser by Korban Chatas to say that only by Nazir and by Korban Chatas do we say Hetem Mitzayif Lisser, but by no other cases? And the rabbis reply and say that we need these rules written both by Nazir and by Korban Chatas, because actually, according to Chacham, we learn out different things from Nazir and from Korban Chatas. Of course, from Nazir, they learn out Tam Ki'ikr, as we saw. And we're going to see now that actually from Korban Chatas, they learn out Heter's Mitzayif Leser. By Korban Chatas, and you can apply it to Kachim, but as we said a minute ago, you can't learn out Hulin from Kachim. Right? So therefore, the Chacham, we're going to learn out Heter Mitzayif Leser in the context of Kachim, in the context of Korban Chatas, and you can apply it to other, you can apply that to other uh, and therefore, you need both Pesukim, you need the Pasuk by Nazir to teach us Tam Kikr, and the Pasuk by Korban Chatas to teach us Heter's Mitzvah Flesser. We need both Pesukim, the Pasuk by Nazir and by Chatas. Chatas Leheter Mitzvah Flesser, Vichulin Mikachim Logamar. So, by the Korban Chatas, we learn out that Heter's Mitzvah Flesser, and yet we cannot learn out Chulim from Kachim, so you cannot apply Heter Mitzvah Flesser globally. It is limited to the context of Kachim. And the rabbis say that from Mishras, by Nazir, we learn out Tam Ki'ikr, and from there you can talk, apply it globally to the entire Torah of Rabbi Kiva. Whereas Rabbi Kiva says, no, he learns out Tam Ki'ikr, as we said yesterday, from Gi'ule Nochrim, and from Nazir, and from 
Korban Chatis, he learns out. Hetem Mitzayif Leiser, Favolush Neksuven Abon Keachod, Chosh Neksuven Abon Keachod in Milamdin. And therefore, it's these, you know, Shneksum Bankechot, it's, it's, it's written in two places, and therefore, we cannot apply them globally. That is what Rabbi Akiva says, which is why Rabbi Akiva holds, and why Rabbi Yochanan holds, like Rabbi Akiva says, that Hetum Mestarf Lisser is limited to a Nazir. That which we learn in Abraisa, the Pasuk says by a Nazir that anything that is made from Great products, whether it is pits, whether it is peels, and says the Brisa limit al isure nazir from zemze to teach that the different um, isurim, the different prohibitions by a nazir, they join together. So if you eat half a zayis of grape pits and half a zayis, half an olive of grape peels, they could join together. So now, excuse me, what? So now, um, here's Ravashi's kasha. If Bekiva says that Heter is Mitzdaif Leser, well then certainly Iser is Mitzdaif Leser, right? If you're saying that just some regular old bread, if you have half an, uh, half an olive's worth of regular bread and half an olive worth of wine, they're going to join together. Well then certainly half an olive of pits and half an olive of peels, which are both things that are forbidden, are going to join together. So Amalei Sufkana answers, Iser ve'eter bevas achas, Iser ve'eter bevas that when we say that heter is mitzdaif lisser, that is that you would have to eat them together in order for them to join together. But by iser and iser, it could even be one after the other. So if you have half an olive's worth of um, pits, and and then afterwards you have half an olive's worth of peels, they could still join together to create a kazayas, and you're going to have to be a nazir all over again. Well, that's the machlokas there between Rabbi Kiva and the Chachamim regarding Hetem and Tzarif Leser and Tam Kaker. So basically, both Rabbi Akiva and the Chachamim apply Tam Kaker globally. When it comes to Hetem and Tzarif Leser, the Chachamim say that it applies to Kachim. Rabbi Akiva says that it is limited to Nazir. Okay, so now we get to this discussion about being mavatal dough, I guess you can kind of say that. Um, yeah, let's just say that. And it gets a little bit technical, maybe? I don't know. Let's go with that. Okay. Says the Mishnah. So if you have like a kneading trough, what the heck is a kneading trough? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I guess you have some kind of like, um, it seems like some kind of a cle, some kind of a vessel that has a bottom to it, sides to it, and like a top lip. So, I don't know, uh, maybe some kind of bowl or something that you need in, uh, that you need like dough in. <clears throat> so if in one place you have like a clod of dough and it's a kazayas, so then you have to burn it. But if it's less than a kazayas, so then you can leave it. It's bottle bimiuto. Okay? It's bottle because it's so small. And similarly when it comes to Tuma. Um, and Rashi kind of says that we're going to explain this in the Gemara, which is that that if he cares about it, then it will be a chatzitza. It'll be, a, you know, as we learn, things that go in the mikvah, they can't have anything separating them, so it'll be a separation if he cares about it. But if he wants it to 
uh, be there to stay existing. So then it's like a that that um, I guess if you care about it, then it would be I guess like a kazayas in the vat that it would be a problem. But the Rashi says the Gemara is going to explain to us what it means. Um, so now we're going to see two ways to explain our Mishnah. Right now, what did our Mishnah say? Our Mishnah said essentially that if you have a kazayas of dough, you have to burn it. If you have less than a kazayas of dough, you don't have to burn it. You can leave it. It's bottle. So we're going to see two ways to understand this machlokas. The first way is more lenient. The second way is more strict. Here we go. Maybe I'll even explain it first outside. So the more lenient way is to say that when we say that you have to burn the kazayas and you can leave the less than a kazayas, so that is talking about in a place where it's not needed in order to strengthen the, the, the kneading trough. But if it's in a place of the trough that the dug, that the dough is like stuck there in order to like keep the water from leaking out, well then even if it's a kazayas, you can leave it there because it's there to strengthen the trough. Um, fine. That's the more lenient way to do it, right? To basically say that when you have to burn the kazayas, it's only when it's not necessary to strengthen the trough, but if it's necessary to strengthen the trough, so then you can you can leave it. And we see that it, when in a place where it's not to strengthen the trough, you can also leave, if it's less than a kazayas, you can leave it as well. So the only thing you have to burn really is when it's not there to strengthen the trough, and it is a kazayas. Now, the more stringent way to understand this machlokas is to say that it's even when the dough is there to strengthen the trough. So even when it's there to strengthen the trough, if it's larger than a kazayas, you still need to burn it. Even though it's there to strengthen the trough. And if it's less than a kazayas, then we could say it's bottle and you can leave it. But if it's not there to strengthen the trough, so then even if it's less than a kazayas, you're still going to have to burn it. That's the more stringent way to learn it. So here we go. So when we say that you burn the kazayas and you leave the less than a kazayas, that's only in a place where it's not there to strengthen the trough structurally. But if it's there to strengthen the trough, well then then you don't need to burn the dough if it's larger than a kazayas. This implies the pachos mi kazayas. That when you have some dough that's less than an olive's worth, even in a place where it's not strengthening the trough, you can leave it. Okay? Those who, however, teach it on the second part, which means, that when we say that if it's less than a kazais, you can leave it. So, Says of Yudom or Shmuel, this is the second version, that this machlokas, that when we say that if it's less than a kazayas, you can leave it, that's only in a place where it's there to, to, to provide structural support. But if it's not needed to strengthen the vat, you would have to burn this dough, even if it's less than a kazayas, which means therefore that when you have a kazayas of dough, and it's even though it's in a place where it's there to strengthen, you would still need to burn it. So according to the first way to understand it, um, when we say that you have to burn it, if it's larger than kazais, that's when it's not there to give structural support. But if it's there to strengthen the vat, even a kazais, you can leave. Whereas the second way to learn it is that, no, when we say that you burn the 
dough, if it's a kazayas, that's even when it's there to strengthen the vat. Um, and then when it's not strengthening the vat, then you would have to even burn less than a kazayas. Okay. Tanya Kilishna, Kama, Tanya Kilishna, Basa. We have a Bryce supporting both versions. Tanya Kilishna, Kama. We have a Bryce supporting the first version. Botik Shebisidke Areva. If you have dough that is on the, in the, in the cracks in a, uh, vat, in a place that is there to strengthen the vat, uh, you know, the, the, the trough. So, it, it, it would not, if it, if it was tame, it would not be considered a chatzitza in the mikvah, a separation. over, and on Pesach, you wouldn't be over on Bayura Bayimotse. And if it's in a place that is not there to strengthen the trough, well then chotzeitz, it would be a chatzitza in the mikvah, but over, and it would be a problem by Rabbi Matze on Pesach. And what are we talking about? That's talking about the kezayis. That if it's there to strengthen, you can leave it. And if it's uh, not there to strengthen, you have to get rid of it. But if the dough is less than an olive's worth, well then, even if it is in a place where it's not there to support straight, uh, the, 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 um, trough, you still do not need to get rid of it. Vitanik Lishnabasa, and we have a Bryce supporting the more stringent version, which is Batsak Shabisit Kareva, if you have dough in the cracks of a kneading trough, if it's in a place where it's providing strength, nonetheless, uh, wait, if it's providing strength, ah, okay, fine. So, eno chotze, it's veno over. So then it doesn't create a chatzitza in the mikvah if it's tame. And also, it's, uh, it's not going to be a problem on Pesach in terms of bayro bayimotze. Bemakum she'en asu lechazek. But if it's in a place where it doesn't provide strength, support. So, chotze, so then it would be a chatzitza in the mikvah over and it would be a problem on Pesach. And that's specifically if it's less than a kazayas. So we say if it's lechazek, you can leave it. And if it's not in the chazek, you have to get rid of it. But if it was a kazayas, well then, over. Then even if it was in a place where it provides strength to the trough, it would still be a chatzitza in the mikvah and a problem on Pesach. Kashin so one second. So, 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 so we had the first price that supports the first way of understanding the, the Mishnah the more lenient way. The second price that supports the more stringent way of learning the Mishnah now. Kashin They seem to be, uh, these prices seem to be, uh, arguing on each other, right? In one case, in one price that we're saying that, let's say, if you have a, a dough that's greater than a kazayas, you can leave it if it is in, if it's there, the and the other price says you have to burn it. The, the first price says that if you have, um, dough that's less than a kazayas, even if it's in a place where, where, where it's not giving strength, you can leave it. Where the second price says that, if it's in a place where it's not giving strength, you have to burn it. It's like, what's going on? How do we make sense of these two braces? So Ravuna's solution is simply to swap out, you know, get rid of the more lenient one and go with the more stringent one. All right, that sounds fun, Ravuna. Rav Yosef Omar, what do you think Rav Yosef says? Classic Rav Yosef. Tanoi shakat me'alma. What? Did you just like throw away the Tanoim? It's as if they don't even exist, the Machlokas Tanoim. Of course, Rav Yosef, with his encyclopedic memory, assumes that everybody knows every opinion 
of every Tana that ever lived, just like he does. And he says to Rufuna, what? You're just ignoring the fact that it's a machlokas Tanaim? Tanai, it's a machlokas Tanaim. Well, how do we wear? The Tanya, of course, as we know from the Brisa. Hapasha Ipsha, if you have bread and it got moldy, okie dokie, maybe put that in some kutach habavli. Chayv levayer, you have to burn it. Because apparently you could um, break it up and crumble it up and then it could make other doughs into chametz. So even moldy bread, you got to get rid of. And when do we say that you have to get rid of it? If it's still, you know, you know, you haven't done anything to indicate that you're using it for any other purpose. It's still, uh, the assumption is that, it, that it's for eating. So you have to get rid of it. But if you have a um, block of leavening, I don't exactly know what these leavening items block things would be, but if you set it aside to sit on it, so then it would be betela and you would not need to uh, get rid of it. So what do we see? So we see that according to Rabshim ben Elazar, if you simply set something aside for another purpose, well then you can leave it. And therefore he would be the author of the first brisa, which says that if you have a kazayas of dough that's there to strengthen the trough, you can leave it there because you're not planning to eat it. It's there to strengthen a trough. So you can leave it. Now, and now from the fact that Rabshim ben Elazar says that as long as you have other, you made it clear that you have other intentions for this dough, it's bottle. So Well, that implies that the Tanakama who argues in Rabshim ben Elazar holds that even though you have other intentions for it, it's not a bottle. And therefore, Tanakam would be the author of the second brisa, which says that when it comes to dough that is greater than a kazayas, even if it's there to strengthen the kneading trough, nonetheless, you'd have to burn it. So So we see that according to the Tanakama, even though you were mevatal, the kezayis, it is not bottle. Even though you put it to strengthen the trough, it doesn't matter, it's not bottle, and that would be, Tanakam would be the author of the second b'risa. So Abaye says to his Rebbe of Yosef, okay, so you just answered the machlokas about a kezayis. That in the first b'risa, we say that a kezayis, you can leave if it's there, because it's bottle, not like Rabshim ben Elazar. And in the second b'risa, we say even if um, it, even if the kezayis is there to strengthen the vat, you still the trough, you still have to get rid of it because it's not bottle, and that's like the Tanakhama. So we explained that machlokus, but that wasn't the only machlokus between the two b'risas. What about the fact that in the first b'risa we say that if it's not strengthening the trough, you can leave less than a kezayis, whereas the second b'risa says if it's not strengthening the trough, you have to get rid of the Less than a kezayis. How do you answer that? Did you answer that question? So Abaye actually answers, and this is really where we're going to conclude over here, that both Brysis are Rabshim bin Elazar. Okay, but then isn't he conflicting with himself? No. You just have to have to know how to read between the lines. It's no problem. Mm-hmm. 
So it depends if it's in a place where you're actually going to be interacting with the dough or not. So now, what this means is that the first brisa is operating. So there's no machlokas bechlab between the first brisa and the second brisa. They're just talking about different situations. The first brisa is entirely operating in a situation where the there's kneading going on and there's going to be water and there's going to be dough and we need to like plug up this vat so that nothing comes out this trough now the second brisa which is more stringent is actually talking about in a place where there's no dough and no water getting there and therefore it's more stringent so the first brisa which says that if it's in a place where it's lechazik so then even if it's larger than a kazayas or a kazayas or larger you can leave it that's talking about mamish on the bottom of the trough where like you really need support so that like no water leaks out from the bottom of the trough. So in that case, and remember, this is all Rabshim ben Elazar. It's all the same opinion. It's one unified opinion and it all makes sense. So Rabshim ben Elazar is saying in the first brisa that when the dough is there on the bottom of the trough, well, then it's really to give significant support. And even if it's a kezayis, you can leave it. If it's on the walls of the trough, where it's still makom lisha, but it's not quite as important as on the bottom, well then if it's a kazais, you have to burn it. If it's less than a kazais, you can leave it. Fine. The second brisa, which is more stringent, so that already is now taking into account places where there's no kneading going on at all. And when he says that um, even in a place where it's lechazek, you have to burn the dough if it's a kazais, lechazek over there doesn't mean the bottom of the that of the trough like in the first brisa it means the sides of the trough where the, the walls of the trough where there's still some kneading going on but not as you know it's not as important as the bottom so in that case just like in the first brisa he says that on the walls if it is a kazais you have to burn it if it's less than a kazais you can leave it and when he says right where it's not providing any strength to the vat to the trough that means none at all it's like on the lips at the top, like at the lip of the of the trough where there's no kneading going on or anything like that. So there, even if it's less than a kazais, you have to get rid of it because it's really serving no purpose. So it's all Rabshim bin Elazar. And really, it just depends if we're talking about the top by the lip of the trough, in which case you have to get rid of all dough, kazais, less than a kazais. If it's the walls of the trough, so if it's a kazais, you get rid of it. If it's less than a kazais, you can leave it. If it's the bottom of the trough, well, then even if it's, even if it's a kazais, you can keep it. Okay, Ravashi comes to um, clarify, which seems to us to be obvious as well as to the Gemara to be obvious, which is that when we're saying that Shalob Makom Lisha, it's not, if it's in a place where there's no needing going on, even if it's less than it, because I have to get rid of it, it's not talking about the outside, the back of the trough, it's talking about the lips of the trough. So Pshita, that's obvious. Ma'adutema, he says, no, I may have thought that zimnin de atif umati lawsum kumashmulan. I may have thought to say that sometimes maybe when you're kneading, some water or something can drip onto the lips, and therefore maybe that would be considered makum lisha, and then maybe uh, if it's less than a kazais, you would think that you can leave it. So kumashmulan, Ravashi is saying that no, the lips are considered shalob makum lisha. And if, uh, no, could tell me. And therefore, if there is some dough on the lips of this trough, so then even if it's less than a kazais, you have to get rid of it.
Amr of Nachman, Amr Rav, Halacha, Kribshim ben Elazar. So it's of Nachman, in the name of his teacher Rav, that the Halacha, it's of Kribshim ben Elazar. What does Rishim ben Elazar say? He says that if you're mavatol chametz, send it's bottle. Kilo, if we said that you have like a block of leaven, and uh, you're gonna say that you're gonna use it as a chair, as a seat, so then zo, it's a seat. You don't have to. You don't have to get rid of it. Ini, is this true? Vamer of Yitzchak Barashi, Amarav. Instead of Yitzchak Barashi, there is a street in Achlaot, I think, called Yitzchak Barashi Street. Now over there, it's one word, Barashi, but I wonder if it's connected to Barashi, Yitzchak Barashi. What do you guys think? Bar Ashi, Rav, Bar Ashi said the name of Rav, Imtach Panea Betit Betela. So says Ravitzak Bar Ashi in the name of Rav, that if you took this like leaven stuff that you want to make into a seat and you apply plaster to it, well then it's no longer, you don't have to worry about Chavmas anymore. So Tachin no Tachlo, implying that it's not enough to just say I'm going to use this um, Seor as a seat. No, that wouldn't be enough. You actually have to do something. You have to, you know, apply plaster to it. So the Gemara answers, "Man, the masniyah, the masniyah." We say, "Look, what do you want me to tell you? It's not like we, you know, it's, it's we have machlok. You have Rav Nachman says one thing, Rav Yisak Barashi says another thing. Both of them are saying the name of Rav. Who, you know, it's not like it's the same person saying two conflicting things. We have one. I mean, it is kind of the same person saying two conflicting things because they're both saying the name of Rav. But uh, we're saying, look. Rav Nachman, for whatever reason, said this thing. Rav Yitzhak Barashi said another thing. I guess choose one. But then there's another way to say it, which is, um, those who say, I'm Rav Nachman, I'm Rav, that Rav Nachman um, is saying the name of Rav just like Rav Yitzhak Barashi, that ain't Allah of Rav bin Elazar, that Allah is not like Rav bin Elazar, the Amr who says that you can just, you know, say that you're being mavat, that you're going to use this Seor as a chair, and that's enough. No, the Allah is not like Rav bin Elazar. That only if you apply plaster to it does it now become bottle. But until then, it wouldn't be bottle. If you have two half half an olive's worth of chametz, uh, and there's like a string of dough between them, so we say, well, it depends. If you could pick up the two pe- half an olive's worth of chametz by a string, and the two half olives will be able to stay on the string and be picked up with it, well, then chayv levar, you have to get rid of them. Vimlav, but if you'll pick up the string and it'll just kind of fall apart, and they're two distinct ol- half olive's worths, well, then enu chayv levar, they don't join together, and you do not need to burn them. Amar Ula says, Ula, lamaron. Elba says Ula that is really only talking about in a kneading trough of a but if it is in a house, Chayev Levair, you would have to get rid of these two half zayases of chametz, even if they are separate. My time how come the Zimnin Dichonish Luv enough Ligabe Adade? Because sometimes you can be like sweeping the house or whatever, and the two half zayases can now join together to make one full zayas, and then that would be a problem. Amar Ula says, Ula ba'u They ask the following questions in Israel. These are going to be teku questions. What if you have a half an olive's worth of chametz in your house and another half an olive of chametz in your, in your attic? Do you have to be concerned that they might fall into the same place of the house and you'll you know, become a kezayis of chametz? What do you guys think? What I think is that nowadays, even Pashit crumbs, everyone goes insane about. So Mistama, they wouldn't have a potential for a Kazai Sahamitz. That would be Nightmare City. 
What if you have like a house and like a portico outside of the house and there's a half a zayis in each? What if you have one house and inside that house is another house and there's a half a zayis in the outer one and a half a zayis in the inner one? Do you have to be concerned that they'll come to, <coughs> come together? Take it, we don't know the answer. Tanar Abanan. The rabbis taught, Apasha Ipsha, if you have moldy bread, and people will no longer eat this moldy bread. But the, but a dog would still eat it. So if it is an egg size, so then it will still be metamitumas ochlin, since the dog could still eat it, but, since, uh, humans don't eat it anymore, so if it's Arab Pesach and it's Truma, we can burn it together with Truma Tmeya, and we're not going to be concerned that, uh, you know, you're going to be Matame Truma Tahora with the Tmeya, because since it's not edible for humans anymore, you don't have to worry about that. Mishum Rabnasan Amru, they said the name of Rabnasan, ain't a Matama. That says Rabnasan that once it's not edible for humans, it's not even Matame Tumas Ochlin anymore. Kiman Azla Adetanan, like who is the following Mishnah? Klal Amru Betairis, they said a rule by Teharot, Klam Yucha the Ochel Adam, that anything that is set aside for human consumption will transfer to Mas Ochlin until it is no longer fit for dog consumption. So command look Reb Well, that's clearly not like Reb because Reb says that this bread that became moldy and is no longer fit for human consumption but is still fit for dog consumption, so then it will um, not, uh, it will no longer be Metami Tumas yet we have this other Mishnah that says that it remains being Metami Tumas until dogs will not be able to eat it, so that's clearly not like Rav Nosin. the Rabbis taught, Areva Sa'avdonin, if you have a vat that is used by the tanners, Shinosan Socha Kemach, that you put in it, um, flour, I guess, as part of the tanning process, it involved flour, I guess. Tokhshlosha Yomim Chayv Levair, if you put flour into this tanner's trough within three days of Pesach, well then you have to get rid of it because we have to be concerned about chametz. But if you put the flour into the trough more than three days before Pesach, I don't know if I said 30, I hope not, more than three, we're talking about more or less than three days before Pesach, if you put this flour in there before more than three days before Pesach, you don't need to um, burn it because um, the the trough somehow already kind of messed it up and it's not going to be Gishmaka Chometz. Says, when do we say this? When we say that within three days of Pesach, if we put the flour in, you have to get rid of it. That's only if you didn't put in any hides. But if you put hides in, then even within three days, you don't need to get rid of the um, this like flour dough stuff because the hides certainly will make the flour not very enjoyable for eating. And not only within three days, but even if it was, you know, within an hour of Pesach or within a, um, you know, within the same day or the same hour of Pesach, still you'd be able, you know, if you put hides in it, you're not going to be concerned about eating it. Um, well, that was Daf Memhev Masech Tapsachim. What do we do today? So, okay, at the beginning of the Daf, we wrapped up the Machlokas between Rabbi Akiva and the Chacham regarding Tam Ki'ikr and Heter Mitzayif Le'iser. And what we concluded was 
that according to Rabbi Akiva, he says that Tam Ki'ikr, which he learns out from Giule Nachrim, as we learned yesterday, uh, is applied globally. Heter Mitzdarif Le'isr is only limited to a Nazir, because it's Shnei Suvan Abba and Ke'echad. According to the Chacham, Tam Ki'ikr is also global, and they learn that out from Nazir. And, um, Heter Mitzdarif Le'isr is, um, applied to Kodshim. But not globally, because you can't learn out Hulun from Kachim, but within Kachim, we would say Heter Mitzdaif Lisser. Then we discussed this Suga of dough in a kneading trough. So, there are two ways, it really gets into the concept of being Mavatal dough, right? If you have dough and you set it aside for some other purpose, is that enough to say that it's no longer for eating and, and you can leave it? It's bottle. So, according to uh, he says, yeah, you can, you can do that. According to the Tanakam over there, he says, no, it wouldn't be enough. And we saw that, right, that Rav says that you would have to, um, you know, like actually do something in order to be mavatalit. You'd actually have to actually like put on plaster in order to show that you're no longer planning to use this dough. Now, Rabshim ben Elazar said it would be enough just to, you know, be mavatal, right? To just, let's say, if you take some dough and you put it in your vat, so you don't have to do anything more than that. It's clearly an indication that it's bottle in there, but it, but it depends where in the vat you put it. So he says if you put it on the bottom of the vat, so then even if it's a kazayas or larger, you can leave it because uh, it's in a very important structural part of the vat. If it's on the walls of the vat, which is still providing structural support but not quite as much, so then if it's a kazayas, you'd have to burn it. If it's less than a kazayas, you can leave it. If it's on the lips, the top of the vat of this uh, trough, so then, even if it's less than Gazayas, I have to get rid of it because it's not really providing any strengthening. Um, those were really the main sugas of today. Hope you enjoyed it. Peace out.